at the same time, I didn't want people to just look at my pregnancy as like a sad thing, I guess, because there was so much that was unknown because, you know, best case, yeah, he was going to have to have surgery, but worst case, I mean, he wasn't going to make it. He wasn't going to be breathing when, and that was just something we weren't going to know until, until he was born. And yeah, it was, it was really hard. Hey everyone, welcome to I've Been Better. We're on to season two, super exciting. Who would have thought we would be on season two after the last couple months of making and creating a podcast, but here we are. Today, I have such an exciting guest. This is one of my longest friends, such a close friend, and I'm very, very excited to be able to have this conversation shared with y'all. So today, I have my good friend, Cheryl. Say hey, Cheryl. Hi. So Cheryl is not with us in person. She and I met while at NC State a long time ago. We were first friends during freshman orientation in 2010, and then she left us and went to Georgia. So Cheryl is currently in Georgia, and we're doing this interview virtually. And it's been a little while since Cheryl and I have gotten to see each other in person, but throughout 2020 and even prior to 2020, but especially during the last year, we've gotten really good about doing monthly or, you know, at least every other month video calls to catch up with each other, which has been really, really nice. Um, So today I wanted to share a little bit about Cheryl from my perspective, and then I'll let y'all hear from her. So Cheryl and I, again, met at North Carolina State University in 2010. We both were psychology majors. We were roommates. We were bar hopping buddies. We did a lot of stuff together. I was there when you got your first cat that we rescued from our apartment complex parking lot that took a long time to capture him. And then Cheryl went to graduate school at Georgia Tech, and she has a degree in public policy. She then went to Florida, and now she is back living in Georgia. And here we are. She's the mom of two sweet, sweet babies, and she's married to her college sweetheart, who we also have come to love and, and you know, integrated into our family. So welcome, Cheryl. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on. So Cheryl, tell us a little bit more about yourself, if you feel like I missed anything or what you would like to add just about, you know, what brought us together. You know, the premise of this podcast is for me to let people that I know in my life and in my circle share their stories. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So as you said, I'm married to my college sweetheart. We've been together for a little over 10 years, married for almost five. And it's amazing. Yeah. We have a three-year-old girl and an 18-month-old little boy. So it's very busy and crazy here. And um, my husband, he's actually he's worked full-time remote since even before the pandemic. So even before that, like we spend a lot of time together. So it's, (laughs) we're a big, happy, crazy family. That's yeah. There's a lot going on all the time. Um, but I I absolutely can imagine. Yeah. Um, and I stay home with my kids, um, was not initially planned, but it's been such a blessing to be able to be with them every day and, and spend that time together. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, when you came up to visit, it was in the summer, and we went to eat at the NC State Farmer's Market restaurant when y'all told us that you were pregnant yeah. with sweet baby girl. And that was, I think, that time that y'all had decided, you know, am I going to stay home, you know, at least for the initial part, and you left a job that you really, really loved to stay home right. with your kids. Yeah, that's a tough decision, but it sounds like it's what works best for your family for yeah. the time being. Yeah, and most days, some days I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm going to start job searching again. Like, I'm not sure, but no, I love Bring it. me that laptop, pull up LinkedIn right now. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. So when I first started talking to my friends, and I've sort of shared this with the audience and the listeners throughout previous interviews, but when I first started talking about having this podcast, I called Cheryl or we were talking during one of our monthly video calls and I remember saying oh you know I'm starting a podcast and do you remember what you said to me I aside from it being like totally you and I'm like been waiting for this to happen (laughs) yeah yeah you were like oh yeah finally yeah like Like, okay this is not a surprise (laughs) yeah and I thought that was very sweet and very funny that you know we've been through so many different 
journeys and experiences and this was something that did not shock you at all that we were going to start that did it shock you when I asked you to be on it um maybe a little I (laughs) I know it's I I just feel like I'm never like that interesting and I don't know it's uh I and it's it's sometimes I I feel like I get on myself because I come from like a very academic background and I worked really hard like when I was at my job, but like now that I'm a stay at home mom, I think I don't give myself enough credit sometimes for yeah, like, I don't know, just having adult conversations. <laughs> yeah. And you're really good at having adult conversations. And <laughs> maybe you are a stay at home mom living in the suburbs of Georgia. I definitely don't think that does not make you interesting. <laughs> you know, you were you still were someone who partied in college and attempted to rush and then didn't want to do that anymore. And you were my partner in what site class was it that we led the slut walk on campus? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was like, I don't know. It was a community psychology maybe. Yeah, I think so. That was such a fun class. And then Cheryl and I were partners with a couple other young women in our class and we all decided to lead a slut walk, which had been done on NC State's campus before, but not something that was regular. And I think that's where both of us had this desire to want to help people in some way. And then I think that's where we both found a way to align what we wanted to do. You know, I went into therapy in grad school and then you went into public policy, but both of those fields share a lot of the same goals and values of wanting to help other people and change the way that we operate in society. And I think leading that slut walk was that first time that you and I had this opportunity to come together and really try to make an impact and a change on campus. I mean, I still have those pictures of these fun signs that we held up about, you know, no means no, or I can't even remember some of them now, but they're very funny to look back on. Yeah. Well, great. Well, I'm excited to have you here. And I know that since we've been through 10 plus years of friendship and through varieties of relationships and hard times and changes, when I talked with you about that phrase, I've been better, or can you think of a time where you and I have talked or in your life, or maybe you hadn't shared with me before that when someone asked you how you're doing, Cheryl, you said in your mind, you know, I've actually really been better, but that's not what came out of your mouth. You know, what comes to mind for you when you hear me say that? Yeah. When you first told me about the podcast and then later when you told me or talked to me about potentially being on, I think I thought about a lot of things at first and I I thought through that there are probably some friends that I have that aside from having crazy toddlers and a husband that doesn't always put his laundry away, like then my life like is not hard ever. And I, it's not that I try to be closed off because there are so many things that I feel like I'm an open book about, but for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, like I definitely have a lot of things that I've kept to myself you know, whether that's like, I don't want to be a burden to someone or someone else was involved. And I don't want to like, just have this one-sided conversation. And, and Mm -hmm. other times I think that it's also been that, oh, well, someone else has it worse. So like, I can just, you know, I can do this. I can, I can just get through Mm -hmm. it. And I don't want to sound like I'm complaining about my life. And, um, that's that idea of comparative suffering, right? That idea that, okay, well, we always heard it probably from our parents or we can think back to the mid-90s when we were young and we would hear adults say, oh, well, kids are starving in Africa right. or those really outdated phrases that were used to make us feel shame for being upset or unhappy about something. And then we were supposed to be very grateful. Right. And it sort of made us feel like we weren't being grateful for the life we live, but Two truths can exist at the same time. Exactly. And, you know, with the pandemic, um, in the beginning, we saw a lot of families that we knew where both parents were out of work, at least temporarily. And like financially, Mm -hmm. we didn't have an issue. And our physical health was like, you know, great the entire time. Um, But, you know, mentally, it was it was really challenging, especially with two toddlers and trying to like keep them busy and tell um and at the time a barely two-year-old why we can't do things and hang out with friends and go to the park Mm -hmm. and swim lessons it's it was really tough um but yeah the thing that comes to mind probably more than anything is um actually my pregnancy with um my youngest my boy and um 
at our 20 week anatomy scan where they just, you know, make sure they have 10 fingers, 10 toes, mm -hmm. everything looks good. He's growing well. And also when we would find out the gender, um, they actually found um, a few things that were concerning. And um, at first, the what they thought it was, was, was something much worse than it actually ended up being. But ultimately, after more testing, we um, found out that he actually had a mass on his lungs. Um, mm -hmm. And our best case scenario was that he was going to have to have surgery when he was six to nine months old um, to get that taken off. Um, which was really challenging to hear. Um, I mean, I'm young and I'm healthy and I'm active and like, what are these things? And genetically, like everything was fine. And it was just this like one in 25,000, you know, mm -hmm. birth chance that, that he had this. And, and at the same time, like I felt guilt feeling upset about it because I know so many families with medically fragile children. And I'm like, but like, he could be totally fine the rest of his life after he has this. So it was like almost something that I wanted to keep in because I just didn't want to, I don't know. I just felt like, well, it could be worse, but it was really hard. And at the same time, I didn't want people to just look at my pregnancy as like a sad thing, I guess, because there was so mm -hmm. much that was unknown because, you know, best case, yeah, he was going to have to have surgery, but worst case, I mean, he, wasn't going to make it. He wasn't going to be breathing when, and that was just something mm. we weren't going to know until, um, until he was born. And yeah, it was, it was really hard mentally for a pregnancy. I mean, physically I felt really good and everything else was, was good. I'd never had the nausea or anything like debilitating, oh. but it was just like mentally. So many women are like, we hate you. No. And that's the <laughs> other thing. It was like, well, I can't complain, but it's just, it's, it's hard. And it's, you know, and I, but I you can, right. I you're can, not complaining. Yeah. It was a fact, right? Right. I, this was a real thing. And you just told me, you're like, yeah, we went in for our halfway through our pregnancy, which is typical anatomy scan at 20 weeks. And all of a sudden a doctor comes in and says, hey, there's an actual piece of evidence that we see that means your child may have something medically fragile about it when it comes out yeah. of your womb. And now you're thinking, I'm sorry, what What did you just say? I might have to do, and now I have to think about it for 20 weeks because there's nothing you can do right. till I have this kid. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was hard. And um, it was something that we didn't really tell anyone for a long time. Um, and part of that is we just didn't really know. I mean, we had to get all kinds of extra testing done to see um, what we were looking at and meet with um, a pediatric cardiologist because the mass was touching the heart and meet with a pediatric surgeon to talk about like potential game plans and do a tour of the NICU. And like at the same time, I was feeling a little bit like lucky that, well, at least we're able to talk about these options beforehand and not mm -hmm. just finding out when he comes and just being thrown all of this at once. Like I felt like a little bit, at least like I was trying to look for the positive in the situation. <laughs> like, well, at least I you're trying to, to reframe it. It looks like, right. And, right. Uh, <laughs> and eventually we, we, uh, well, actually the weekend we found out, um, my parents were there or were visiting and, um, they, they came like later that day. And I just remember trying to like keep it in because I, again, there was just so much unknown and, I didn't want to freak my mom out because she would freak out and, and, um, well, think about that. You didn't want to be responsible for someone else's emotions right. on a day where you had no idea how you would react to yeah. the news you might get. Yeah. And, uh, eventually we did tell, um, my, my siblings and, um, and our parents, but other than that, I mean, we, we kept it pretty much under wraps. We, we did tell our Bible study groups and ask them for their prayers and, um, any guidance just for anyone who had been through something like similar, maybe that they'd, they'd found. Mm -hmm. And as, but you know, other than that, like we, we didn't talk about it. We just kind of were like, let's just wait and see what happens and then go from there. Yeah. So what that did while in your mind, I can imagine you felt like it was protecting you and your family in a way. It also isolates you yeah. from being able to share how you feel so you are alone with those fears and those worries you had this very small nuclear set of people that you shared with as you said you know this was something that I didn't find out about from you until you felt like you were ready to talk to me about it and this was a long time later because that sounds very scary to go through and then yet 
you're here willing to talk about it now about what that had to feel like of, okay, we don't want to talk about it because yeah, things could be worse, but this is also very scary for me and my immediate family. And I'm having to think about the fact that my child will come out medically fragile every single day. Yeah. And I heard you say that part of you toggled between, am I glad that I know so that I can prepare for it? Or am I more stressed because I know and I now have to prepare for it? Do you ever think about would you have rather not known and then just seen what had happened when your son was born? Well, and to be honest, I I mean, we didn't get any genetic testing done before we found this out because that was the thing. I felt like if something um, was potentially there was a flag, I didn't want to know because it wasn't going to affect whether we decided to have the baby. Um, and, and again, it's not something I wanted to to just focus on in the pregnancy. Like I wanted it to be just like a happy, joyful thing. And and so, yeah, I mean, finding, still finding out something like that, it was hard, but like then at the time, again. Like I, I did everything to not find out right. and here we go. And then we ended up doing genetic testing after we found out just to, to rule out anything. Um, sure. And uh, that's just the route we decided to go. But um, it was, I mean, yeah, it was tough. Like it, sometimes it was like, wow, like I don't know that I wanted to, to know because every doctor we met, like, we're very thankful that they were straightforward, but it was hard knowing what those worst case scenario situations could be and like all that could go mm-hmm. wrong. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh man. And I just did my best. And I think I did a pretty decent job trying not to focus on those things. And I think partly like that might have helped not telling people in a way because mm-hmm. then I didn't have to focus on, well, anytime I'm talking to that person, like, are like, would they just be thinking about? like asking me or like what to say to me about my pregnancy and mm-hmm. or wanting and, updates that yeah, I don't want to give you more information and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And so by keeping it to yourself, you again, using that same word of protected or shielded yourself from having to have conversations you were anticipating you were going to have to have yeah. and you weren't ready to have them yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what happened when the baby was born? Yeah. So, um, I really didn't think about when I was in labor. Um, I, I didn't really think about it. I just was like, we're going to have this baby and we're, you know, it's, it's going to be fine. And we had a couple extra people. I can imagine going through labor is, you know, a little distracting <laughs> it's intense, in and of yeah. itself. <laughs> and um, so we had a couple extra people in the room, which we knew um, we would have people from the NICU um, that would be ready to, to take him directly there. Um, that's what we were anticipating. Um, but as soon as he came out, um, the first thing was he started crying, which was an amazing sign because that meant he was breathing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I got to hold him. He looked healthy initially, um, but they, I still didn't get that one-on-one time for more than a few minutes that you would typically get because they wanted to do all their extra tests. So Nick went away with him um, to get those extra tests, and he was trying to give me updates. Um, and then I just remember getting a text and said that, they can't find anything. And I'm like, what do you mean they can't find anything? And they were like, they did an x-ray and the, um, the x-ray technician and the pediatrician, everyone that was looking at these x-rays, like they didn't see a mass. And I was just like, wait, what? And they, it, it's, <laughs> I was just so confused and tired and, you know, overwhelmed. Oh my gosh. And, emotionally yeah. overwhelmed. My gosh. I mean, I was happy enough that he just, he was breathing and it looked like, you know, we could hold off on the yeah. surgery and not have to do any like intermediate intervention. And, um, he's telling me that he could just potentially be completely healthy. And so basically what had happened is initially when, um, we were told about the mass, they said that they can shrink throughout time. And then it's just, it's generally not an issue. They don't come back. Um, and with our situation, it, it didn't get smaller, but it also didn't get bigger. It stayed stable the entire time, which was still a good thing, um, that it wasn't growing, Mm -hmm. but it hadn't really been shrinking. It it had been like a solid, like two by three centimeters, um, which on a Mm -hmm. baby lung is like a decent size. (laughs) Um, Um, And in the last few weeks, they hadn't really been able to measure it, but they just attributed it to that, like, he was a lot bigger and things were squished and the positioning was hard. So, yeah, I mean, we didn't think anything of it, but really in those last few weeks, the mass had completely resolved itself somehow. And it was just like this miracle thing. And the pediatrician came in like the day after he reviewed the, um, 
the x-rays and was just like, I really just don't know what to tell you. Just kind of <laughs> take it and run with it. Like, this is amazing. And you guys are so lucky. I've never, you know, I've never seen this happen in a situation like wow. this. And I have like chills. Yeah. I had three in a row just now while you were talking to me. <laughs> yeah. And it's, we, we waited to like say anything to, to those that knew, um, to just like get all these. So then that was like the hospital pediatrician that was on staff, but then we went to our pediatrician and she said the same thing. And then like, I was like, okay, well I want to call the surgeon as well. And so like, I waited and called the surgeon. <laughs> One more person. <laughs> I was like, okay, like, what do you think? And they're like, well, if they don't see anything, you know, just if you really want, like, you know, you can always get an x-ray, you know, six months in and, and see, but like, I really don't think that's necessary. Like, I think you guys are just good. And it was just like a crazy feeling. And I was just like not believing it. I just wanted to get all these extra mm -mm. opinions. And I just couldn't believe that like everything that we had been through. And it was just something that resolved and went away. Yeah. 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 When you are a believer as well. And so for those of you in our audience who may not use that terminology, but a believer is someone who believes in a higher power, specifically in your situation, it's believing in God or being a Christian. And you know, some of that, as you were mentioning, you shared with your small group and there were times where you asked for prayers. And then I can imagine what that may have felt like when you hear the news in the hospital and in a very emotionally heightened state that your child who was just born, who we were anticipating having a medically fragile situation now does not have that. Yeah, it was, it was just crazy because throughout the time, I mean, of course I was praying every day, like, but you know, let's, keep the mask stable, like, please, God, like, don't let it get bigger. And like, let us get to mm -hmm. the birth and maybe be able to have a natural birth and, you know, just go through the motions, best case scenario, to me, the best case scenario, which was that he would be breathing, and then we would have the surgery, and it would go well, and he'd be healthy the rest of his life. But I had friends that would pray over me and be like, please, God, take this mask away. And it was just like, what? Like, that's asking too much. <laughs> like, <laughs> that never even occurred to me yeah, to ask him to like, take that away. Like, let's, crazy. let's just, let's keep these prayers small, which is so silly. Like, <laughs> you know, you can pray for yeah, whatever Think about you that, want. right? You can pray for whatever you want. And but, you just said, oh, no, no, I only want to ask for this much. It's, I, right. I'm not worthy of asking for this real very thing that I want, which is to take the mess away. Yeah. And it was just, I mean, one of the coolest things I think was um, after, you know, our initial just like shock and understanding it all was being able to tell some of those close friends at church, like what had happened. And I mean, we had people just be like, I literally just bawled on my couch. Like that's like, it was just a really cool, like how much he impacted. And even today, like when we've talked about certain things and like, have, do you ever feel like you've experienced a miracle? And like, I've heard people say, your baby is a miracle. And it's just like, oh my what God. an amazing way to like, for like him to have this legacy almost that like, regardless, yeah. you know, of course, like our bodies are amazing. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that like God gave us these bodies to do hard things, especially women, <laughs> like, you know, and it's <laughs> Hell just, yes. <laughs> and it's just such a cool feeling that like our body could just rid themselves of something like that. Um, so, yeah. Well, and as you said, you you were someone who, on top of praying every day and following these beliefs that you have and that you share with people and, you know, these people in your inner circle, you also were doing all these other things to stay healthy during your pregnancy as well. So like you said, you're, you were eating well, you were exercising, you were staying active, you had another young child to yeah. care for. You were going to appointments every single week because of this possibility of your child being medically fragile. And then in addition to it sounds like having this support system, you were able to get through those 20 weeks of the unknown. Right. Yeah, it was, it was helpful. Um, and it's so weird now because there are so many people that we didn't talk about. And then I think after the fact, it was just, I, I didn't really know how to bring it up and, you know, it's like, well, things are okay now. Mm -hmm. And, but at the same time, um, there have been certain people that have had scares or something before, and I have been able to share it with them, like, after the fact and say, you know, this isn't something I shared widely, but just so you know, we have been in a situation and, you know, things can happen and, and uh, just to, like, to give them that support that, like, we've been there and it's really hard, but I'm here to talk, so. Yeah, when you're here to listen, you know, you, yeah. I can imagine 
because of the choice that you made to keep this news to yourself and sort of hold tight to that balloon before the air got let out of it in a 20-minute span at the hospital, you can imagine what it's like for other individuals who are expanding their family through childbirth or getting ready to birth a child, what they're going through. Yeah, right. Yeah, which is, I think, very helpful. We need more people in this world that are willing to come forward with their stories and share when they feel that it's appropriate and ready that, hey, I've been where you are and it may not be the exact scenario, but I can relate to those feelings. You know, as Brene Brown says, you have the ability to have empathy instead of sympathy. You can put yourself in those, the, the shoes of that person and say, you know, yeah, maybe I don't, didn't have the exact fear that you have, but I know what fear feels like. Exactly. And, and honestly, it was very humbling because again, like, oh, well, I'm young and I'm active and I'm healthy. What could go wrong? Like, it's just a sense of like, you know, what could go wrong? And it's like, no, like there are so many things you just don't ever know about. Like I had never heard of this before. And, Mm-mm. you know, like one out of 25,000 um, births, it's a, it seems like very rare, which I mean, to some extent it is, but at the same time, like that's, I mean, we're, we have 300 million people in the U S alone. Like that's, this is actually happening, you know, but it, it's actually happening more than we think. And that's just one little thing. And it's just crazy to, to think about like all of the things. And I, of course I would never want anyone to dwell on what could happen, but just, it was very much a humbling experience to, to know that like, no matter what you do, that doesn't always mean that things are just going to be perfect. You know, things happen. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Things happen that are outside of our control. Right. You know, it's, as you said, you, this is a very not widespread concern, you know, one in 25,000, but it's a naturally occurring condition that right. does happen no matter how healthy you are, how fit you are, how pristine you keep yeah. your life, this could still happen. And, the best case scenario is that we have medical advances to treat these conditions, thankfully. And then the most amazing case scenario that you didn't even consider was we won't have to worry about it anymore. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the analogy that came to my head or the metaphor that came to my head when you were sharing about how when you gave birth, the pediatrician did these x-rays, there's no mass as though someone took the air out of the balloon that you were clutching so tightly to this worry and then it just popped. And now you're left with those feelings with nowhere to go. You know, do you remember what that was like or do you feel comfortable sharing about how you moved through? Okay. You're telling me I don't have to worry anymore. I know you mentioned that you went to professionals and specialists a couple of times to really be sure you could move forward, but what was moving forward like? Yeah. Well, and I mean, of course, initially I was just thrilled, but after, you know, that initial, I, you know, I, I just didn't want to let my guard down completely. I didn't want to just accept mm-hmm. it. And so it was still like a little bit of a, a tough few days getting used to that, but I mean, honestly, after that, I, I think, and then, you know, talking to our families about it, it was, it was not as difficult as I thought it would be to just kind of accept it. It was just like, you know what, this happened and like, let's just move on and let's just take it and not think about all mm-hmm. of the other things because, you know, of course, we're, I'm still worrying every day. My children are crazy and fearless and <laughs> like to do the most dangerous things they can. So I, I have a constant worry, but like, so those are going to take up space. So like, let's just not let this take up space in my mind anymore. And, you know, yeah. of course we, we think about it and we look back at pictures during that time. And I mean, my husband and daughter came to almost every appointment and we <laughs> went to a lot of appointments, but they were just, you know, my biggest cheerleaders. And we have pictures of my daughter like with her baby doll and her little purse and her Mm. snacks like as I'm getting like (laughs) as I'm um you know constantly getting these tests done and it's I I choose to look at it in like a joyful way like that was a time that like we came together and they were my support system and they were there every step of the way so yeah yeah and so in a way you didn't shut everybody out you kept those closest to you and you shared in your worry and your grief and your fears with them and they helped hold you up when you were having a rough time. Yeah. And 
and my husband was was such a big support and and he was so strong and I, I think he was I know he was definitely trying to be strong for me and I am usually the ever you know optimist and I just try to look at the positive <laughs> and I am that in the relationship and he really had to take that to like help me stay positive and I think it was later that it really hit him like what he mm. was you know potentially going to up against right yeah. it was like he was staying so strong and then it just kind of hit him like oh wow like so coming down was actually probably harder for him because he had been like so strong for me mm-hmm. that it was coming off it was probably I don't want to speak for him but was probably more difficult because sure he had been so strong for both of us during that time yeah he's carrying a lot of weight and then as you said it just right. dropped it yeah. dropped and so we still have to deal with the the tension we've created in our bodies or the soreness of carrying that weight and now he's just left there to deal with it not alone but in a different way because he was holding you up right yeah that's a great point that's a great point you know one day we're gonna have to try to convince nick to be on here i know he can (laughs) he can talk about talk about his life which is he's you know he's got some interesting things too yep um you know so it sounds like there were times where your friends, you know, those of us in your social circles, you know, I can still remember when you were pregnant with your second child and remembering, you know, yeah, how are things going? And since you didn't live near many of us, do you feel that made it easier, like that distance to not share certain details? I Yes, I definitely do. I think when I'm in person with someone, I'm way more likely to just like let it all spill. So in a way it was, it was um, easier and it was, you know, but it was, there were moments like that you saw me during my pregnancy, specifically one of our friends was getting married and they had um, a wedding shower and we had a long ride from Raleigh to the wedding shower. And I, I know it went through my mind, like, you know, should I just bring it up? Should I not? But it was just like, I didn't want to be a downer. I didn't want to make it like the day is not about me. And, you know, so it was hard because it's not that I wanted to keep things, but at the same time, I just, it's wanting to just keep things light. And, you know, which is Mm. so silly because, you know, life is not light. Yeah. When did you learn that life was light? And especially with my closest friends, like, you know, you have been there through so much and you know my my one and only breakup with with my husband with like a year and a half and where I thought we were over for good and it was a 24-hour thing and, and you know crying in your apartment about it but yes. you know we've we've been with each other through a lot and so it's it's sad to me now to think that I couldn't have but it's again it's it's almost just like I don't want to put my burdens on others or I want th- mm-hmm. things to stay light which is you know in a way just you know, silly and people understand. Silly, they do. Silly and yet very valid, right? Yeah. I can, I'm putting myself back in the position of being in that car with, with you and Nick when we were on our way to that wedding shower. And I could totally understand where you were coming from of being like, oh, like, how do I, how do I talk about this? How does this not, you know, am I going to feel better or worse when I do share this and then we have to go pretend like we didn't just talk about this exactly because now the focus has to be on somebody else at a wedding shower and that is I don't know that unfortunate's the right word but it's the word I'm going to use right now about all the aspects and things we have to do in our lives we have to constantly juggle changing how we feel and you know it's something that was brought up in the an earlier season of where someone was like I can't just leave x y or z at the door I can't shed that part of me. You know, you were still experiencing these fears and worries, very pregnant at someone's wedding shower where you're (laughs) celebrating this joyous thing of another one of our good friends in college and sitting there being like, oh my gosh, my baby. Oh my gosh, my baby this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. That's hard. And it makes sense. You know, I've, I think we can all relate to that feeling of comparative suffering where someone may have it worse than us. So we're not going to talk about it. Or I don't want to be a downer. And I think something we need to work on, and we are actively, at least maybe in our little circle, but beyond that, is you're not a burden for having very real human experiences and for feeling the way you feel. We've all been there in a different way or another. And as you said, your life was not perfect. The way it may look to others that your husband doesn't put laundry away as much as we'd like or 
you know, our kids are throwing food on the floor, your life is so much more than that. Right. Yeah. So how are you today? We are in 2021. So we've finished 2020. As you said, you and Nick have spent a lot of time together pre-pandemic because you worked from home and remote, but now you were stuck at home way more. So how are you doing today? Yeah, it was it was really hard. Um, I In the beginning of the pandemic, I felt like I was I was good and I was like, you know, we can get through these a few weeks. Like, let's bring out the toys that we've kept put away and like extra presents and things. I've been that preparing we've kept, for like, this. And then it was like, oh no, this isn't just lasting a few weeks. Um, it was hard. And even with Georgia, we had lightened restrictions compared to other places, especially like North Carolina. I mean, there were times where we were able to go to parks and things like that eventually over the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, that was helpful. But it was a really, really challenging year and especially like getting to the point in my kids ages where like they need that social interaction and they Mm -hmm. need to be out and luckily we had we have really great weather most of the year in Georgia so we were able to get outside (laughs) a lot um which is very helpful and my kids love to walk and go on runs which is like a mental break for me because I feel like I don't have to be like watching them doing other things um but honestly now is it's such a good time for us, like where things are kind of lightened up and we feel like more free and just kind of, even though things are far from normal, we've kind of just fallen into this new normal and what works for us. And we have a couple other families that, you know, we get together with sometimes and, you know, we love each other like as, you know, the couples and then also the kids play so well together. And it's just been really great to have that support system um, in place because yeah, it, it's, it's definitely tough. And, uh, more than anything, I think I'm such a work in progress, but trying to make time for myself, which is not as easy during a pandemic when I'm not just going to go get my nails done or a massage all the time, or like go yeah. stroll through target, like mindlessly, like I'm still not really doing those things, but it's saying, oh, Hey, target. like, yeah, <laughs> right. Like what a time. <laughs> But it's, for me, it's like, you know, not everything has to be perfect in the house. And like, you can sit, like the kids are napping. Like I have to tell myself like not to feel guilty about just sitting and reading my book instead of like taking care of things and cleaning up. And that has been, it's, it's like a mind, uh, I can't think, um, a mindset shift is just like of feeling like I've just so buried in things but in all reality like I don't Mm -hmm. have to be like I can yeah things can wait yeah well because you have you have to make a choice am I gonna feel buried with all this stuff that I have to do when I'm stuck in my house or can I can I shift how I feel about this so I don't lose my mind while I'm cooped up in my house with two children under the age of five Exactly. I mean, it was like, a. Yeah. I feel like I have to clean seven times a day to, you know what, like if the house stays a mess for a few days, like it's going to be okay. And who's like, going to see it? Exactly. No one's just stopping by. <laughs> so it really is all for me and I can, I can handle it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got Nick over here making makeshift standing desks in yeah. your dining room turned office space you know it's always an adventure it is in your house it is and he's got a million ideas and a million things going with you know he always wants to create a new app or a new thing and he's got all these things going and I'm like you know what just because I don't have those kind of hobbies like I I have my own thing I have my I like to take baths and do a face mask or I like to read or just like those are my favorite hobbies yeah sit and watch my own girly show and it's been yeah, good. I love those. That's good. Since 2019, when your son was born, have you found yourself being, maybe open isn't the word I want to use, but how do you feel about when you're feeling that you could be better? Do you find yourself being more honest with friends and close people in your circle, or do you tend to still feel closed off sometimes? I I think it's more difficult to say because 2020 like we just weren't around as many people yeah that's a good point so it was easier to maybe stay a little bit more closed off but I will say 
it has gotten me better about reaching out to people and checking on them and Mm -hmm. especially like knowing that like we struggled through certain aspects of 2020 like reaching out because we aren't like we are we have of course close groups of friends in Georgia but our families aren't here and so many of our close friends from high school and college um and even the first people we met in Georgia that have since moved away after their first jobs you know we have so many people that it's just if we can't go visit them like you know how are we making sure we stay in touch and making sure that they're okay mm-hmm. especially those that maybe do live alone or and even those that don't i mean it's just it's so important to check in on your friends and i think i was better about reaching out because sometimes when i am internalizing things then i will keep to myself more and then not reach out to other people because i don't want to open a can of worms so it was better for me to reach out and then once that person may have opened up or said something like it just it opened the conversation for me to feel more comfortable yeah oh yeah well that makes perfect sense that it's a way they say that you know we can help care for ourselves by caring for other people you know right by giving to others so by you attempting to open that door it feels more comfortable for you to then begin to talk about what may be going on in your life because it feels more give and take on your end which I think makes a lot of sense yeah I'm sitting here thinking about was the last time we saw each other in person the wedding in 2019 for our close friends? So September of 2019. Yeah, I think it was. Oh my gosh! Because yeah, we um, yeah, we didn't go to North Carolina for holidays that year, and then yeah, last year it was like a couple times where we had I'd like sort of planned because we were visiting Nick's family, and then it was like oh well, like now we're just like unsure because we don't yeah. want to you know, get anyone else sick because we're coming from a different state and like, yeah, you know, we want to be respectful of you guys and family. So it was like a couple of times where, you know, it was like, oh, like maybe we can. And then it's like, okay, I don't think it's going to work out this time, but. Oh my gosh. I know. I know. Well, fingers crossed for 2021 that yes. we're going to actually get to lay eyes on each other in person. I cannot believe, you know, we're recording this right now at the beginning of March in 2021. And yeah, I will have almost been two years, which is I don't, it's just crazy. something I can't wrap my head around. Yeah. But it, it does feel like, of course, like I can't wait to give you the biggest hug ever. But mm. I mean, that's why I'm so thankful though, that we like FaceTime relatively frequently because I at least get to see your face and it's helpful yeah. and we're doing it frequently. It's not once every six months. It's, it, you know, almost every month, if not every month. And we've been doing that for a really long time and that's just been really helpful and just for our friendship in general like sometimes it's hard when you're like at a distance to really keep a friendship alive as much as you want to and 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 at that point I think you make decision of who's important to you and who's doing like you know you don't want it to be one-sided you want to make sure you're both giving and and taking you know equally um and so it's just and, been... and our lives change as we get older, right? As you said, you know, you've got two young children that you're taking care of. And so, as you said, it's hard to maintain long distance friendships when they don't, you don't see them every day and you don't fit into their mom circle that you're hanging out with or the people that you see. So it is something that we have to make intentional time for. Right. And I'm so glad. Yeah. Like, and I think that's what it is. It's like, okay, we have to get it like on the calendar and set reminders and do it and sometimes google like, calendar is my best friend now and it's not like at one point i might have thought that was like kind of sad but it's like no like people are busy like you've got yeah. your podcast and your job and your relationship and your friendships and like i have my kids and like all of this stuff so it's it's just not always easy but if you set a time like then you know that it's gonna happen like it's gonna of course things yeah. can come up but like you have that time set aside not just like oh well like let's like look into next week and see if it works out. Like, no, that's not like, you know, we are both very much in this like mindset that like, no, like we want to make this time set this time and like give each other an hour to, to talk and catch up. Yeah. Well, because I think for me, I'll speak, it has helped me be better when I've not felt great, you know, and I've been able to share, Oh, you know, I've been better or works really hard or X, Y, or Z is going on. And so you're right. You know, this, 2020 has really challenged us to pick and choose who we can invest in, how we're going to invest in those people, and how do you make friendships work when it's not convenient anymore to get to see them in person. Absolutely. And I can say that I have never, it's kind of like when you don't necessarily want to like work out or do something like 
you're never not going to feel good after. Like, I always feel, as yeah. much as I might be tired getting on the phone sometimes or this or that, like, I always feel joyful after, like, we get off the phone. Yeah. And I, like, I'm so happy that we did it. And I just, you know, it's great. So that's one thing that you and I have both been doing to take care of ourselves over the last year. And then I heard you say girly TV shows, taking baths and skincare runs. What else are you doing, Cheryl, to take care of yourself as a mom of two who is choosing to stay at home and take care of your home and your family and all that goes into that? What are you doing for yourself? Um, I think, uh, honestly, it's getting better about asking for help. Um, and that has been really hard for me, especially because I am like, can definitely be controlling and type A and like, I'm going to do it better. <laughs> you or... are not controlling. <laughs> you know what you want and you ask for it. Yeah. Except and... for help. That one we struggle with. Yeah. And it, it's hard. And it's like, well, I can just do this. Like if something's left out or this or that, or like, I'll just do it. I have time or like Nick's busy at work or whatever. And it's like, no, like I can ask my husband mm-hmm. to clean up after himself, to clean up after the kids, to help with the dishes in the morning. Yeah. Like, and I think it's finding the time too, because like sometimes I like to just get things done at night and wake up to a clean house. And like for him, he would oh, rather get that up is at, me. at 5 oh. a.m. and like get things going in the morning no. and then chill at night. So it's just like finding that common ground. Um, and yeah. also like being able, like I'm very lucky with my sisters. They are amazing for my support system. They're my best friends. And I know at any time that I can like talk to them about something Mm -hmm. and reach out and there's going to be no judgment and they adore, you know, the kids and they adore Nick, like, you know, he's their brother. And so it's very nice that I can kind of like unload on them and not feel like I'm burdening them. And yeah. And, uh, you know, our parents are great too. And they always ask how they can help and, you know, be supportive or come help us around the house and things. And, you know, before, and, and, you know, Nick is not great about asking for help either um, on things. Yeah. And he has gotten so much better, which has been good for me because I'm like, well, I'm not going to ask your parents to come and like help us with this. <laughs> you need to ask them to come. <laughs> yeah. And so it's been really good for both of us to just like not try to do everything and understand that, you know, yes, like we are so good at being independent in so many ways, but it doesn't hurt to ask our parents to come and help us fix something around the house, like to come and be no, extra especially man. if they're willing to do it. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, come help watch the kids so that we can get away for a weekend. Like we did, mm-hmm. we did not do that for the longest time with Lee. And it's actually really sad. Like no date nights, no like weekends away, anything. And now it's just something that we're like, you know what? It is, we are not bad parents because we want to go on date nights or because no. we want to leave oh my for gosh, a weekend, no. which has been so nice because we we love and we miss the kids so much. But it is really nice to be able to go somewhere and not have to keep your eyes like 100 yeah. percent on the kids being crazy and doing something. And and uh, so asking for help from from him, asking for help yeah. from like our parents and knowing that, you know, they don't mind making the drive to come see their grandkids and like, you know. It's if you let them, they might let they would want to move into the backyard. Oh, probably, which is that's where we draw the line. Yeah. <laughs> where we have boundaries, space. boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But yes, I love that. So for this year and what you've been doing over the last year is finding opportunities of where you can ask for help. We as humans were not designed to be without other humans. We need help. And anyone who's under the impression that you're supposed to do it all by yourself and you're supposed to have it all figured out, it's a total lie. We'll tell you right now. Total lie. Stop believing that. You are allowed to ask for help. Your needs are valid. You're not a needy person. We all need each other. And so let's figure out how to be successful together and be the best we can be, especially you and your husband wanting to get away from your kids. That makes you amazing parents because now you get to step away and focus on yourself and recharge to come back and be better parents for your kids. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to, and and I know part of my struggle is I don't know how much I need certain things until it's too late. And then I just feel like I just like lose it. Like emotionally, like everything just kind of comes at once. And so it's like all piles up. Yeah. I've had to figure out like, Oh, I can do this. I can do this. I can do it all. And then I realize I can't, but then it's like the tears and everything like, Oh my gosh, I just can't do everything. And it's like, okay, well, Cheryl, then you have to ask for help. You can't like blame (laughs) everyone else. Like you have to ask for help along the way. 
before you get to that point where it's too late yeah. and you just feel completely lost. But it's a you work have that in realization. Yeah. Yes. 100% a work in progress where you have that realization of, oh, shit, I did this to myself yeah. by not asking for help, by thinking that I need to put X, Y, or Z away because my significant other is working or they're busy and yet they still have responsibilities as right. functioning adults and they deserve to help. And we didn't, let me rephrase that. We deserve their help and they should help us and vice versa. We don't have to do it all alone because if we do, we're also unintentionally setting these expectations that they don't need to do things. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's for another day, another yeah. podcast. We will <laughs> talk lots about how habitual patterns of behavior are formed by people you can tune into that one day so another way we would phrase what you were saying is intentional time to address the stress in your life when you begin to feel yourself getting overwhelmed that's a clear sign that you haven't been asking for help and you haven't been dealing with what's going on so making that time sort of as we mentioned 10 minutes ago about making intentional time for your friends schedule FaceTimes and if FaceTimes are overwhelming right now because of all the Zoom meetings we do, make at least time to talk on the phone. Yeah. You could get on Clubhouse if you really want something fun and new to talk to each other through Clubhouse. You know, that's another option. But Cheryl, I am so grateful for you in my life and then in addition that you have been my cheerleader as well on my sidelines of wanting to do this podcast and I'm so excited to get to hug you and squeeze you yes. and squeeze those little babies oh when gosh. we see each other in person again it's gonna be it's incredible y'all that I can remember Cheryl's son being born I was not there but then we saw them at a wedding very shortly after in September and then that was the last time yeah so He's big now. He's so <laughs> He's much big. bigger now. He was tiny. Yeah. Then. So, and yeah, it's I. We can't wait. And you're just such a light in our Very lives, excited. and you mean so much to oh. us. And we can't you're wait to hug cry. you. Yes, I can't wait to hug y'all as well. And you know, please keep doing what you're doing. Please take care of yourself today and as we move forward. And thank you for being on today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts and follow us on social media at I've been better dot pod.